Welcome to the Burley Brew Podcast. My name is Tyler Kralicek, Agriculture and Natural Resources Agent here in Burley County. And I am uh, discussing getting cattle ready for the breeding season with Jenna Block, uh, NDSU Extension Livestock Systems Specialist. And she's located out of the Hedinger REC. Welcome, Jenna. Thanks, Tyler. Glad to be here. So one of the things that everybody asks me is, how am I going to get my heifers ready? I mean, there's so many different options out there. I guess, is there one silver bullet that's just, you know, the, the I guess, the cure-all for everything? I wish we had silver bullets for these kind of things. That <laughs> sure, make, sure make livestock production a lot easier. Sure. Um, there's definitely a lot of different ways to get it done. And if, you know, from one producer to the next, they might think that they have the ideal way, but it's definitely going to be really dependent on the type of cattle that you have, the feed resources that you have, and probably the facilities and labor that you have available to develop your heifers. Some people might be looking at strictly kind of a range development strategy where the heifers are out on, on grass. Some people might be utilizing a dry lot strategy, or you might be doing a combination of both. And all of those can work. It's just in, in how you're managing those livestock to reach your goal, basically. Sure. Well, obviously there's a lot of variables. I mean, depending on, I mean, even, you know, far east in the Red River Valley, North Dakota versus, you know, out west, uh, you get to some of the Badlands area, it's a little bit different. But what is, you know, something that you can say is a consistent thing across the board? I mean, is there, is the protein supposed to be the same across the board? I mean, what's your TDN? Can you expand on those types of things that absolutely are crucial for for, uh, heifer and cow development? I mean, we know that heifers have increased requirements. I mean, they'll, you know, at a lower body weight, their requirements will be around the same as mature cows, you know, at at certain stages of production. And so that can create a little bit of a challenge for us in meeting those requirements, because obviously heifers have a lower body weight, and they're just not going to be able to eat as much as a mature cow. So we have to look at trying to provide higher quality feedstuffs at lower amounts in order to meet their requirements. There will be some breed differences and things like that. And we, we can account for that in our ration balancing software. We know what, you know, that a continental heifer, obviously she's going to be a little bit bigger at maturity. And so she's going to have higher requirements for growth and things like that. So we can compensate for those things, but it's really going to be case by case, even as far as requirements go, just because we're going to want to incorporate all of those factors such as the environment, you know, the time of year that that we're looking at feeding the heifers, what's their beginning weight, what's the target or end weight. Many times, you know, if we're not calculating that, we can get heifers maybe on a ration that's maybe a little bit over where we want to actually end up just based on the timing of our feeding period and things like that. So it would really be, it's really beneficial for people to sit down with their extension agent or nutritionist or, or whoever they go through these things with, get their feeds analyzed, have some some goals in mind as far as where they want to be and have those conversations about how to best reach the goal. Sure. So if you're, uh, you know, you talked about different uh, heifer types and, you know, getting a, a program together. So what's a program that you utilize, uh, especially if you'd work with NDSU uh, extension agents for balancing a ration? Do you have anything that you kind of have as your go-to? I've used a variety of different ration balancing programs. The one that we use within the NDSU extension system is called Cowbites. It's based out of Canada and it's, and it's really reasonable. The challenge is right now, they've removed the funding for that program and that entire department. And so that's no longer commercially available. Most of the extension agents do have a copy in their office. So that's one way to access it. There's a couple of ration balancing programs online that people can use. OSU has one called Calculator that can be, that's 
known to be pretty, they've just done some updates and that one should be fairly accurate and it's fairly easy to use as far as stepping through things. I guess the one caution or just think something to think about for people is you can put together a lot of different feeds that will meet nutrient requirements, but you do have to have some of that background level of nutrition in order to avoid some potential negative situations or, or toxicity or performance issues just based on certain levels of grain or the combination of different feedstuffs. We have to be thinking about things like how much sulfur is in the diet and what's our level of, you know, do, do we have any non-protein nitrogen or are we looking at some alternative feedstuffs and, and there, can there be some potential issues with those things? So I will say probably anyone could go in and, and balance a ration per se, but having that nutrition background and confidence in understanding the requirements and how those different feedstuffs might work together and the potential combinations of things is going to be really important. Sure. One of the things I get asked every now and again is, you know, how wet do I want my feed? I mean, is there a certain percentage that, you know, based on palatability as well as, you know, just, uh, you know, performance, is there kind of a, a golden number that you look for? There's really, you know, there's so many different diets and, you know, a lot of diets might utilize a silage base if, if they have that available. And so that obviously would be a little bit wetter ration. A lot of people are just using, you know, dry hay with a supplement. And so it's really just dependent on the feed resource. And I wouldn't say there's any one given level of a dry matter or moisture content that, that would work in every situation. I mean, it's really dependent on, you know, the cattle and the situation. I will say, you know, if you're if your ration is very dry and you have a total mixed ration, it can be, you know, there can be some intake issues. The cattle just maybe don't seem to want to eat as much as you'd like them to. And so maybe it's just as simple as mixing in a little bit of water in there just to give it a little bit more moisture and, and palatability for the cattle. Sure. What, uh, what are, uh, cattle typically supposed to eat, you know, like say, uh, is it like 5% of their body weight or 10%? I mean, what are we looking at if you're trying to figure out an ASFED or excuse me, a, a dry matter basis? Um, most of the time cattle eat, will eat somewhere between two and 3% of their body weight. You know, when you get, you're, you're in that lower percentage, like 2%, that might be kind of a lower quality a forage or something like that. And then as we get into silage and high quality forages like alfalfa, that will just speed up the the digestion rate, which will speed up passage rate, which will speed up intake. So they're actually able to physically eat more of those feedstuffs. And so typically as we get into higher quality rations, they're able to eat a little bit more. That being said, there's really no requirement for actual amount of dry matter intake. We just have to make sure that our requirements are met for protein and energy and minerals and things like that. So like I said before, there's a lot of ways to get there and it's really just going to be getting that nutrient analysis done and, uh, and then going on and figuring out how much of that diet we have to feed to meet the requirements. Sure. One of the things some guys will talk about doing just to try and keep things a little bit cheaper, or just based on, you know, like this year we're in a drought, um, just feeding grass, hay or straw, and then they do some kind of supplement like a tub or a liquid feed. I mean, can you get away doing that the whole year and not have any detrimental effects? long-term? One thing that can occur with very low quality forage is something we call impaction, which is basically just the nutrient level in that forage is so low that essentially the, the rumen just sort of, everything just sort of slows down. And a lot of those, I mean, there's so much fiber in those low quality forages that then they take up so much room in there and the passage rate is really slow. And basically that animal can 
literally starve to death with a full stomach because things just aren't moving like they should be. So that's something to just be aware of. Once we start getting at protein levels under 7%, that's something where we're not going to be meeting the protein requirements of the microbes, and they're not going to be able to utilize those low quality feeds. So that's, again, a benefit of, of knowing what your ration contains so that you can avoid those situations. So when you think about something like wheat straw that might have 4% protein, that's definitely not going to be enough. And while a lick tub is a good protein supplement on certain forages, I would say it probably would not go far enough to meet the actual overall protein requirements of most animals. So in, in a situation where you're trying to use low quality forages for the bulk of a ration, you're going to want to look at some natural protein sources as supplements, maybe including a, you know, a little bit of alfalfa hay as a supplement to kind of fill in there or some of our co-products or other high quality feeds like that. So, you know, you talk about making sure that they're adequately fed and everything's, you know, at the rate that you need for, for consumption. Now, if I just look at my cattle, I mean, how am I going to tell whether they are in the right condition? I mean, is there, is it body condition scoring or is there some sort of test or how do we, how do we determine if our cattle are visually where we need to be to make sure they're ready for, for breeding season? Yeah. I mean, body condition score is kind of one of our tried and true methods of, of evaluating, you know, how our, what our past nutrition, how that's affecting our cattle. So when we think about mature cows, um, we're really shooting for that condition score five, which is kind of close to the middle um, of our scale from one to nine. We're not going to see any ribs in that condition score five. We are going to see cover over the backbone. We're going to see cover in the hindquarters. And once you learn to pick out that condition score five cow, and which it's just like everything else, it takes practice and it takes a lot of time. But if you kind of train your eye and, and get your standards set, and there's tons of resources out there to learn how to do body condition scoring. Again, just with time and practice, you learn to pick out that five, and then you can very easily go up or down from that. So maybe it's not the numbers themselves that are the critical component. It's are those animals thinner or fatter than a condition score five? And if so, do I need to sort off some of those thinner animals and maybe put them on a little bit better diet, you know, give them a little more extra attention and get them where they want, where I need them to be? Are there some animals in a higher condition score that maybe don't need all the same nutrients that I'm trying to use for my cows that are in a little bit poorer shape? So can we do some sorting and feeding based on condition score? And that's kind of a common, a common recommendation. Obviously that doesn't work in every single situation, but it's something you can do. When we're thinking about heifers, uh, obviously they still have requirements for growth heading into their first breeding season. They're still going to be growing up till they're about four or five years old. So we have to account for that. And so we want to give those heifers a little bit of, of extra body condition. We want them probably at a six going into breeding and we want to maintain that six clear through their first calving and hopefully into their next breeding season. If we can, obviously there's times where those heifers might lose a little bit of condition, but honestly, it's, it's easier to maintain than to have this kind of cycle of loss and gains and trying to get them back, especially when we're thinking about after calving, after their first calving, when those heifers still have growth requirements and are now lactating, their requirements are sky high. And so if they've calved in an adequate condition and they do have a little bit of, of excess fat and muscle stores to kind of get them through and we're providing a good quality diet, those cattle are going to be better equipped to 
recover from calving more quickly, start cycling again, and get bred early in their second breeding season. So those are all going to be benefits of, of managing those heifers appropriately up through their first breeding season and, and through calving. Okay. Is there any kind of uh, supplementation like, uh, say, a flax lick tub or something like that that also can assist with uh, whether it be cycling or just, you know, helping get uh, cattle in reproductive uh getting, getting it started right after they do end up having, having a calf. There's really, you know, the most important thing is just to, to have them in good shape. Um, and you know, any heifer that's had maybe, you know, had some dystocia issues or a difficult birth or a lot of stress, or maybe are a little bit thinner. Um, those are going to be the ones that are going to struggle to recover from calving. It can take them a little bit longer, but there's really no overall recommendation as far as a specific nutritional supplement or things like that, making sure that our mineral requirements are met, protein, energy, all those things. And you can meet those in a lot of different ways. You know, flax contains unsaturated fats, which have been shown in some research to be beneficial for reproduction, but we don't have a consistent response across across all studies and all situations. So that's really going to be variable. And some people really believe in it. And I, and I think it's a good product but it's not necessary in every situation. Um, we do have a lot of other options out there. So it's really about looking at what's available as far as feedstuffs in your area, doing a cost comparison on cost per pound of nutrient that you're wanting to supply, and then looking at transportation and potential storage costs and what's it going to cost to feed these different supplements and then making the decision based on all those economics and then also labor and things like that. All right. Well, Jana, that kind of runs through most of the questions that I had. Is there anything else that you'd like to add or uh, recommendations for folks when they're trying to get their, their cattle into, into breeding shape? You know, one of the things that's kind of come up that people might've heard about here recently is, is kind of this debate on what are we shooting for as far as a target um, per percent of mature body weight at breeding for heifers. And so our traditional recommendation was always 65% of mature weight. In recent years, and particularly out of Nebraska, there's been a lot of focus in just looking at, can we develop heifers to lighter weights and still get acceptable pregnancy rates? And so they have done some studies where they're kind of shooting for as low as 55% of mature weight up to around 60% instead of the 65%. And definitely depending on which study you look at, there's going to be different results. So I just kind of wanted to touch on this and say there have been studies where they have successfully developed those heifers at 55% of mature weight and seen either equal or slightly improved pregnancy rates compared to heifers that were developed at a higher level. There's also been studies where they develop those heifers at a lower level and saw reductions in pregnancy rates and sometimes as much as 10 to 15% compared to the heifers that were fed to reach a greater percentage of body weight. Most of the research has been conducted with crossbred cattle, which are automatically going to be a little bit more fertile and probably more, you know, will reach puberty at an earlier age just due to heterosis. I guess it's really going to be based on the genetic potential, what kind of cattle you're looking at, what your environment is, you know, what does that mature cow herd look like? How product, you know, what's their production potential and things like that. So I'm, I'm fairly comfortable in that looking at that 60 to 65%, I guess, target. I'm not so comfortable with that lower target. On the other side of this coin is we haven't changed our recommendation for an 85% of mature weight at their first calving. So whatever weight you're going to at breeding, you somehow, if you're targeting a lower weight at breeding, you still somehow need to make up that percentage that you didn't achieve earlier 
in order for them to calve in an acceptable weight and avoid calving difficulties. So it's just kind of interesting looking at the research out there and there's a lot of interest because you can use kind of a lower input system, possibly kind of looking more at range development versus, you know, really costly dry lot feeding strategies. But again, it's not for everybody. So just something to kind of think about. Very good. Well, thank you for all the information today, Jenna. It was a a great discussion and hopefully people can take away some great, uh, great aspects and help them have more success for their breeding season coming up here. Yep. Thanks for coming on. You bet. Thank you.